My little sermonette for Christianettes tonight is called, um, Why Me, God? Why Me, God? I want to talk about uh, this, um, just this idea of entitlement. Um, have you ever been in like a situation, you're probably in one right now where you're like, why me, God? You know, I don't deserve this. Why is this happening to me? Or why did this happen to me? Um, and it's kind of a pit that we fall into that we end up staying in. And um, tonight, God is going to give you a completely different perspective of this whole idea of, of why me, God. So I don't know what um, you're facing tonight or you're facing this year. Some of you, you know, it would be like loneliness, um, whether you're in a family or, or not. Um, loneliness is a huge deal. Um, I hope you're not lonely in church, by the way. Um, if you're lonely in church, it's because you enjoy being lonely because you've been asked five times tonight to join somebody's small group. So, um, so don't love being lonely, I would suggest, but, um, it's this whole idea. We're going to serve communion at the end as well. So there's, um, communion cups underneath the thing there. You just peel the top layer off to get the wafer out and, um, and then you peel the next layer to get the wine. It's real wine, by the way. All the kids are like, what? I like this church. It's not. Um, so if you're, having, if you're struggling with it, you can just pop the whole thing in there and go for it. <laughs> do not do that. It, will, it is not biodegradable right here. So um, is, is there a doctor in the house? We, took, we didn't know how to take communion. We took it wrong. Um, I'm, uh, I'm preaching uh, a series called On the Run starting on Sunday about what to do with all the idiots in your life. And you're going to love it. Um, and so will the idiots, actually, uh, in your life. Um, but King Saul, if you've read the Bible at all, um, there's uh, King David is anointed. He kills a, a, a giant for uh, King Saul. And then King Saul spends the next several years chasing David, trying to murder him. So, um, so it's, it's super interesting. But I want to say, um, and it sort of ties in a, a kind of the preamble to that tonight. But Saul was not a, a roadblock to David's promotion. He was the road. And I'll kind of explain that further. Sometimes we're looking at the trouble in our life and the tension as if it's the roadblock. Like if I could just get this thing removed or get past this thing, then I could, or then we could, or then whatever that looks like. It's just this thing. If I could get past this thing, when you don't understand that for God to remove it, he actually removes the road, his path that he may have preordained to. And this is what gets our North American Christianity in trouble because we came to Jesus thinking he was there to make us happy and fill us with candy. So, um, so yes, happy and joy, but, you know, I think that has to mature a little bit because, um, dear brethren, count it all joy when you enter into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and patience and all those things. And so once we change the currency of joy, and joy is not like momentary happiness from the sugar high of drinking that giant blue Slurpee right there. Um, I thought, I'm like, I wish, I wish I could destroy my body like that. I would drink that whole thing right now and have a Slurpee tumor after a Slurpee tumor. But I think that's what we, when we come to Jesus, we're like, hey, save me from whatever and give me a giant blue Slurpee. And give me one every day, you know, and so it's kind of a maturing of that. Um, there was a friend of ours, uh, Pastor Aaron and I, and uh, some of you here uh, would know uh, would know her, but um, her, her particular family scenario is very troubled. Um, basically, she was married to an incredibly unfaithful husband. And um, 
and was shocked when it came out, but then it happened later, and then it was just like this, this hugely long, traumatic, traumatic time. And she, I remember talking to her, and she said, for years I said, why me, God? Why me? Why is this happening to me? I don't deserve this. And she said a change happened to her one day when she finally said, the words just shifted a little, and she said, why not me, God? People are hurting all over the place. So we think somehow, it's this really this word entitlement, that when we come to God, that we get all of the things all of the time. But if you read the Bible, and you see the men and women of God, and you realize like, oh, uh, that's, you know, is what's happening back there? What's happening? Oh, I see. All right. Thanks, Dad. First time in church. All right. What's that? This is cool. I've never had that happen before. So. Like, what's happening? <laughs> oh, don't block ours in, by the way. Okay. Um <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. That's a new one. Um, whose car is it? That's what, that's what I want to know. Okay. Um, now, from other people's perspective, as we're talking about that, or if, um, or if your small group leader talks to you, or Pastor Aaron talks to you, and they're like, from, from your perspective, you ought to treat people right. But see, what the enemy does is he tries to get you to constantly think about being treated right. Right? So... But when we're talking to a marriage couple, you know, we have to talk to this person about, you know, like, you be more like Jesus. And then we talk to the other person and say, you be more like Jesus. And we don't tell each person the same thing because they don't need to hear the same thing. But really what we want, you know, most of us, if we would go to counseling, is we want to go to counseling. But we really want to go, we want to bring our husband to counseling. And then so that she could tell him just to act more like Jesus. But the reality of it is, if they're not there, then they can only talk to you. But isn't that kind of the point of that? Now, the enemy will either give you a lot of stuff or a lot of problems. But what he also wants you to do is be obsessed with how you are treated. And uh, this series coming up, I think, is going to be good. But it's, it's this idea of entitlement that um, it's this idea of, like, I deserve kindness all the time. Human rights now doesn't mean, like, your right to live and eat. Human right means, like, I get everything I want, and you don't get to disagree with me anymore. Like, you don't get to, like, be impatient with me. You don't, get to, you don't get to be frustrated by my mistakes anymore. You don't get to call me out. You don't get to tell the truth when I, you know, like, you don't get to confront me, correct me. What we're doing is, like, hey, not, now a human right is, like, basically eat, drinking giant blue Slurpees is what we're talking about right now. And so, um, but, like, I deserve affection all of the time. I deserve uh, more stuff. I deserve the best car. I deserve the best job. I deserve the best spouse, the best kids, the best friends. Um, I deserve an opinion about everything. I had somebody say to me one time, like, well, if I'm angry, I have the right to speak. And I'm like, that's maybe why you're no longer married is what I thought, but I didn't say that. I'm like, if every time I got mad, I said something, something got out of my mouth. I'm like, I wouldn't have any friends. I wouldn't have a job. I wouldn't have anything. You got to keep some of that stuff in until it seems as crazy as it sounds when it gets out there. <laughs> um, now, here's the deal. 
If you think that you're deserving of the best treatment, because I really want to break this down to the bottom. When your spouse is affectionate or your mom or your child, you will take that affection as payment because you deserve it, right? So it's like a paycheck, right? Now, when you thank your boss for a paycheck, you're not, you don't really mean like, thank you. What you mean is like, I work for this. Give me what's mine, right? Until you forget that you blew something up last week that cost the company $20,000 and you shouldn't have a job anymore. And an angel put your resume on the top and you thought it was because you were brilliant. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. It was in the paper shredder. And I just, <laughs> you know, so we, we get this idea in our heads like we are entitled to. So, so now our relationships become transactional because of what we think we deserve because the devil will always focus you on like, oh, you deserve this. You deserve this. You deserve this. You deserve this. When the reality of it is, I wonder what we deserve. Um, Matthew chapter 20 Jesus says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. So we're talking about wages here right now. And Jesus is trying to get a point across like, hey, I don't think about things the same way you do. Um, at nine in the morning, uh, he passed through. He hired people. He went, um, they went to work at noon. He went out and people were still standing around. And he's like, and this is like kind of his view of the church too. It's like, you shouldn't just be standing around at noon. Join a dream team. Start coming to church and serving people because that's the only way you'll find your destiny. But, and your body releases chemicals that make you happy. Some of you are like, I'm not happy. I don't have time to serve. And I'm like, you won't be happy until you do serve because your body releases chemicals that it's designed to help people, right? So he goes out at 3 o'clock in the afternoon when some of you just got out of bed. At 5 o'clock when some others of you just got out of bed, you made it to church, though, so that's good. Um, did you guys watch that, that comedian, that, Nate Bargatze? Have you seen that? My parents were Christians in the 80s and 90s where people were the most Christian. You got you to watch that. Anyways, that's fine. It's on Amazon Prime. I don't know how I got off on that. Oh, because he sleeps in. Okay. So anyways, um, so if he goes out at 5 o'clock. It's right at the end of the day. And he says, why haven't you been working? They said, nobody hired us. So he told them to go out and work with the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them. Now, he begins with the last of them and gets to the first of them. When those hired at 5 o'clock were paid... Each received a full day's wage. So they, he starts with the last, and so, and they're surprised to get really what they don't deserve. They get a full day's page, but then he, he, or wage, and then he um, brings in, uh, when the first came, they also got the exact same amount. Um, when they received theirs, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour, and you've paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. And he answered, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. I can't help but wonder, because when I read this, I'm never the guy who got there last. Because I'm a firstborn. You know, you get there early, you stay late, you finish the job. In my mind, I've never read this. But, you know, when you read, like, Jesus is tearing a strip off of an idiot, you're never the idiot, right? You're never like Peter. You're more like Jesus. Like, I know somebody I need to yell at right now. Um, 
But it's funny. Um, in the history of humankind, I wonder if there's ever been an easier time to be a Christ follower. We're the last of the party. And we get things that the prophets and the priests never even dreamed of. You get to talk with God every day. The high priest talks to him once a year. It goes in one person goes to the Holy of Holies. We have our, your sins are removed. Our sins are covered. We think this is a big deal because we can actually come close to God because our sins are covered by blood. Your sins are removed as far as the east is from the west. He removed the core of the problem inside of you. He rebirthed you into a whole new. If we join this church, they're going to take some of our kids away and torment them. If we join this early church, if we join this church, somebody's going to come in and you block their car. You knew it was coming back around. You knew it was coming. Don't block people's cars. Maybe it's a telling difference that the people in the vineyard first, because I don't know that the real reward was just getting fed. I think the real reward was they got to spend more time with the master. I've been in church all my life, pastor. And then somebody comes in, they're radically saved, and I didn't do all the things that they did. No, but you got to spend 30 years with the master. And they didn't. they got to spend it with a different master. You know, the deep-rooted gratefulness inside of you. I, I wonder what we're missing, you know. Um, I got thinking, so what do we really deserve, though? I don't know where we get this idea in humankind that we deserve kindness and nicety and good treatment. Now, from the point of view of the oppressor, you need to treat people nicely. But from the point of view of every human, the scripture says, for the wages of sin is death. Complete separation from God and people. That is the cost of sin. But the gift of God is eternal life. And then we get eternal life, and we think that we earned it. We deserved it. And in about a week, we forget about it. And then we treat it like wages. And then we go further than that. And we're like, God, you better make my boss like me. Because I went to church and I serve on the dream team. My boss had better love me. And my, you know, we start treating God in this transactional thing where God's like, you, didn't, you don't have more than anybody in human history. You don't have more than they wished that they wished their children would have had. But you have. And I started uh, thinking about what do we really Saving souls doesn't make you happy. If you endure a little persecution, that doesn't make you happy. Maybe your currency about happiness is all wrong. Being treated well makes you happy, but saving a soul doesn't make you eternally happy. You know, it's just a complete change of, of mindset, I think. I want to go to Luke 23. Um, it says uh, two others. Jesus is is hang, uh, being led to a cross and says two others, both criminals were led out to be executed with Jesus. When they came to the place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right hand and one on his left hand. Now, if anybody in human existence, the perfect lamb of God could claim that people ought to treat him well and that he was not getting what he deserved and yet he was led as a lamb to the slaughter and he opened not his mouth to defend himself. 
because he didn't think that he deserved anything except for the Father's will for him. And there was no real reason of sin that they could actually hang him there. The whole thing was wrong. The whole thing was a bad movie. And here he is accused unjustly for something that others had done. They were crucified with him, one on his right hand and on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. So can you see this? This is like common day Rome, you know, Roman occupation, I should say. This is common day that's happening, but like everything around him that's happening is like the soldiers are gambling. They're there on crucifixion duty. The religious people are walking by and scoffing him. The guy's hanging beside him. You know, you'd think he'd be in so much pain, but if your heart is full of hate, all that, they're hanging on a cross too, and you'd think they'd have so much pain that a little mercy would bleed out. But when you put under pressure, just what's in comes out. And so they're, they're lashing out at the son of God. They don't even know him. The crowd watched and the leader scoffed. He saved others. Let him save himself. If he's really God's Messiah, the chosen one. They're baiting him with his own words. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. So they called out to him, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words. This is the king of the Jews. We don't think kings deserve that. The greatest king didn't and still hung there. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah. Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. There's another, um, Matthew records, when they came to Golgotha, the place of the skull, they gave him wine to drink mixed with gall, and after tasting it, he was unwilling to drink. Three times they offered him sour wine. The last time he took it, maybe if only to clear his throat to say, it is finished. The first time it was offered, it was mixed with gall. And gall was like a narcotic. To, it was like, um, they say, like an offering for, to, towards suicide, a numbing of pain. A like, we're just trying to be a little bit merciful for you. This is the worst death known to man. It probably still is. We're just going to try to dull your senses for you while you suffocate to death. That's what the death on a, I don't know if you know this, it's going to be kind of super weird, but you need to know what the Savior did for us. So he would, you would sit there, you'd be have nails piercing your hands and feet, and uh, you're hanging, all of your uh, hanging is done on your diaphragm, so you can't draw a breath in unless you push yourself up on nailed feet and pull yourself up on nailed hands. So you've seen the, ac the acrobats with the, the rings? The only way, no. And then every breath is like that. That's what you have to do with every breath. And then sooner or later, they would break your legs because it would take too long for you to suffocate to death because you're literally dying of asphyxiation. So, um, but it says after tasting it, he wouldn't drink it. That should hurt us a little bit because so bad was our sin that he had to suffer for it to not just die. If I were Jesus, I'd be like, why me, God? I don't deserve this. Um, you know, I don't think you need God to change the circumstances you're in. I think you need to, God to change just you. Father, I pray for a change of perspective tonight. Would you just reach under your chair and just grab the communion, if you would? If, uh, if you need explanation about this for, before taking it, just talk to anybody in the prayer team. Um, and we always offer it over there as well. Thank you. Um, 
can we just, as we take this, oh, thank you very much. I forgive you for the Google Docs thing. I was so stubborn for like a year, but it's really miraculous. So as we take the wafer, this represents the broken body of Christ. Um, and Lord, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the body of Christ that was broken for us. And we thank you for the blood that ran out on the cross. It was his blood poured out and not ours. For your sins, one life was required and he paid it. And um, I think if you say that phrase, why me, God, I don't deserve this. I think that works, but I think what we have to do is we have to flip that phrase and look around at what we have and where we're going and who we have. I don't deserve adoption here. He didn't deserve that when I passed by, my sins mocked him. And I knew there was no saving. And I knew that he shouldn't. And if it was me, that I wouldn't. And I don't deserve you, God. And I don't deserve the father of the son I murdered to cast one glance at me of love. Not be patient with me for one moment. Let alone pay his son to adopt me and to enter his house and to serve him in his house and to live my life with his protection. Why me, God? I don't deserve any of that. And I want you to just have a, a, a moment with God where we just flip that. Because if the enemy can get you to say, why me, God, I don't deserve this, and point you at the only thing in this world that you don't have yet, I want you to flip it and say, why me, God, I don't deserve any of the things that I do have. I deserve more of the bad things. In fact, that's all that I deserve. That's all that my sin has earned me, is separation with God. A holy God, what, what, what does a holy God do with the sinful people? What accord has light with darkness, and yet here I am living in the light, in the home of the Father of lights. And I think what we have to do is you have to trap the temptation in your mind for the thing that's not online yet, that when it starts coming from your mind and trying to get to your mouth, because in your mouth it creates faith and it puts the emphasis on the wrong thing, and what you have to do is you have to trap it between your brain, and I know you can do it, between your brain and your mouth, when that negative, why me, God, this is the thing I don't have, I want you to trap it here and say, but in the very same arena that the devil wants to, like my teenager, but before that gets out your mouth, come up with two things. That's, I know you won't do five things. Two things that are like, but I, but he is this, and he is that, and he hasn't done this. And just get a couple of things in there to cut off the negativity at the past and the negative faith and the selfishness at the past. And if it does escape out of your mouth, God, why isn't my husband? If it escapes out of your mouth, chase after it. 
with two things that you love about him and that you love about your boss and that you love about your current wage. That you love so that it catches those words and jams it back in there somehow. Where we discipline our thoughts and our words to recognize what God is doing and quit looking at the very few things that the enemy has still got working in your life. Come on up, worship team. I want to punish a lack of discipline in my mind and in my mouth and in my heart. I want to punish a lack of discipline with gratefulness and gratitude and compliments. I don't know if you work this into your prayer time, but instead of going straight to the ask button, can we go to the thank you for the following things button? And if you don't get to the ask button, that's okay too. Because God knows what you need. You should still ask him for it, but he probably knows because you've asked him for the same thing a thousand times in a row, but you haven't thanked him a thousand times in a row for anything, including your own soul. And I wonder if you wouldn't just start your prayer time with thank you, God, for... Thank you. I give up my selfishness today. Thank you. I don't know why you love me, but thank you. I'm not going to understand why you love me. I'm not even going to try. I couldn't get love like that. I would never give love to somebody who couldn't give it back. And we took and we took and we took. And all those moments that my grandma prayed while I was out living for the devil. All those nights that somebody suffered to bring me here. That friend suffered rejection five times before I came to church one time. All of those things that have led me here to experience the grace of God, I deserve none of those things. And God, I know that you're working out this situation in my life, ready, for your good, not for my good anymore. I'm not good for your good. And what's good for you is what's good for me. Can we sing, move your heart? Prayer teams, you know, just get ready. Prayer teams over there. If you want to go and get prayed for right now. I want to sing Move Your Heart. And if you want to stay here and uh, as we sing Move Your Heart, let's do that at full volume and then let's bring it down to our kind of our first Wednesday volume. We have time to minister. And I want to take some time to be able to minister to you. Worship, if you need to get ministered today, just check out. We'll give a mic to Katie. Um, we're not going to do that. Um, can you do something with me? Father, we forgive uh, the gentleman with the car. And maybe he's here tonight to experience forgiveness. And maybe we're the only ones in his life that forgiveness and the Holy Spirit can come through. Let it come through these hundreds of people to that man and his entire family. I pray that one day he would be here and we'd baptize him in this stage. I pray that one day his entire family line would be here as well, Father. Let the mercies of the Lord surround and protect them until their day of salvation, Lord God. Put us in their workplace. Put us with their kids in sports. Put our kids with their kids. And give us any way that you can in that family's life, Lord. And in the lives of somebody in your life right now, like just, God, I do, we wait for our neighbors. Like, God, just as they're vacationing, give them Christian people that just are in their path. Lord, as we forgive them, as we forgive them and we let them go. It's the least we can do is forgive as we've been forgiven. I think in this song, as we sing, move your heart, I think you need to forgive somebody today. I think you might need to do something even better and ask for forgiveness.
You can be forgiven, but if you never ask for it, it hasn't been deposited in your account yet. Some of you haven't asked God to forgive you for something yet. You still have a story about why it's okay. Well, he has already forgiven you. He said, Father, forgive them on the cross. They know not what they do. The forgiveness has been released, but it hasn't been deposited yet until you admit your sin. As soon as we admit it, it can be deposited. Well, your forgiveness, even from somebody, can be released. You don't wait for somebody to apologize. If Laden sins against me, and he does a lot, I don't wait for him to apologize before I forgive him. Because I drink poison as long as I have unforgiveness in my heart. And I don't want to drink poison, so I'll forgive Laden as soon as it happens. Maybe I'll forgive him before it happens. That's a good time to forgive somebody. Like, I have a feeling this is going to go south. I forgive them if anything goes south. This is not going to be in my heart. But he doesn't get that forgiveness from me until he repents and asks for it. It's already out there, but it doesn't get deposited until he has the faith to ask for it. So even in marriages, I'm feeling, sometimes you just got to say like, hey, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? And uh, you just need to forgive tonight. Is that okay? Because when you forgive, you look a little bit like the man of sorrows who was acquainted, acquainted with grief, who hung on a cross and forgave you. And Father, we ask you to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to remove our sin as far as the east is from the west. We make a vow tonight to live the rest of our days just trying to move your heart with joy and gladness, that the burning away of our flesh and our sinful desires and our selfishness and our ego and our lies and our stories and our pride, that the burning away of these things would honor the name of the Lord, the great and awesome God. If there's any credit to be gained in this nation, Lord God, in this city, let it be gained by heaven. If there is any eye on anybody, let it not be on us, Lord God. But to your name be all of the glory and all of the honor. We love you for who you are and for all the things that you have done for us. But you couldn't have done them if you weren't good and if you weren't just made of love. And we thank you. I pray that as you give us opportunities this week to be hurt, that we would forgive very quickly and come running back to the Father. To have to be healed ourselves, but to go to war for the souls of those who had hurt us and come against us. Let us not be those angry religious people who stand on the, preach, uh, the street corner and yell. Let us get into people's homes and help them move and buy them meals and take their kids to sports. Let us be the people that just look like Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Let's sing Move Your Heart.